Hi, everyone, and thank you all for being here today. I truly appreciate each and every one of you. At this time, I welcome our Master of Ceremonies, Lakeisha James. She's the CEO and founder of Designer Events by Lakeisha. Welcome. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. So again, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Global Virtual Panel of Crohn's Disease Warriors event. My name is Lakeisha James. I'm your Master of Ceremony for this evening. Tonight, we will hear stories from Crohn's Disease Warriors. On behalf of Regaline Sabat and Life Service Center of America, we want to welcome you. Also, tonight's event is dedicated to our keynote speaker, which is Gerlene Sabat. She, she's actually in the hospital today, so we definitely want to dedicate these events to her. Prayers are going up for her. Gigi, prayers are going up for you to stay, you know, you know, sane in this time because I know mommies, they're mummies. So, and of course, she's in the hospital and is not related to Crohn's disease. Okay, so definitely sending up prayers for Miss Sabat. And also, I'd like to introduce to you our host, Regaline Sabat. She's a motivational keynote speaker, five-time best-selling author, life coach, first-generation Haitian-American, the host of Walk With Me podcast on JRQ TV, financial expert, and the CEO and founder of Life Service Center of America, endorsed by Les Brown. And ladies and gentlemen, we introduce our host, Regaline Sabat. Thank you. Thank you all. Yes. So we're going to move right into our event. Our first speaker is our keynote speaker. His name is Mason Harvey. Mason Harvey is 12 years old and was diagnosed with severe Crohn's disease when he was 11. Besides facing the normal daily challenges a Crohn's disease presents, Mason is active in speaking out and raising awareness. He is the San Diego 2022 Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Take steps, to, take tips on our hero. Was the mission speaker for the 2021 Crohn's and Colitis Gala and is active in raising blood donation with his code MH21 for the San Diego Blood Bank. He also is part of owner of Good Karma Candles and works hard to help others with kidney, well, I'm sorry, with this disease and walk with them in their new journeys. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our keynote speaker, Mr. Mason Harvey. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for... Um introducing me and I hope you uh I want to raise awareness for this disease and I want to make sure other people with this disease um will get better treatment and uh, get treatment sooner and I want them to I want crows to be found sooner than it should be because sometimes when you wait for a disease to be found it destroys your body during that time so yeah yeah so okay he wanted to do a little speaking between us. If that's okay, so we're going to combine our session. So I'm his mom, Michelle Harvey, and I'm in the role of a caregiver. So I have kind of a unique perspective in this and that I don't feel what he's feeling, but I'm managing and helping him feel better. So he was diagnosed, as you said, at age 11 in 2020. And at the time, he, when we went to the hospital, we had no idea what was going on and he was going into a full flare. And at the time, it was very scary because we were unaware of, you know, what was happening with him. And, you know, I'll let you tell them what you were going through. So um, I went to the hospital to get mm -hmm. um, blood tests, but I was only supposed to be there for one night. And that one night turned into two months because I was very scared of a hospital. And when you're scared, you get stressed and stress is a big part of Crohn's disease. And so 
I ended up being there for two months. And within the nine days, they found out I had Crohn's disease. It took nine days for them to find out I had Crohn's disease. You had lots of tests. And lots of procedures. Once I was diagnosed, yeah, I was diagnosed. So we knew what I had. But then once they knew what I had, since I was doing so bad, they put me on gut rest. So I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat any food and I could not drink. Which means, yeah, I couldn't drink water either. So, for four weeks. Yeah, for four weeks. For I did a gut rest for four weeks. Yeah. So that was a very big part of it. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, because yeah. we had no idea what Crohn's disease mm-hmm. was. And this was during the early COVID days. And so his father and I were not allowed to be in the same room with him at the same time in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And that led to a lot of confusion. And, you know, his father would call me down. I'd be sitting outside of the hospital and he'd let me know what the doctor said. Then I'd go up to be with him and I'd try to relay messages. So his father, I never got to sit together and talk to doctors. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty difficult. So I turned to finding other resources and I reached out to the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. And then I started joining groups on Facebook for parents of children with this disease and other adults just to gain more insight into, you know, what this was and how could I help my son? And because part of this is it's hard, sometimes it's hard to see the signs for someone in my perspective and we're not experiencing it ourselves. And so there's some physical signs you can see. Mm But children also have a normal and he'd always been a thin, small, picky Mm -hmm. child. And the doctors had assured us, you know, oh no, he's fine. That's his normal. And it's easy for us to not see what's going on, especially when a child may not tell you things. Mm -hmm. And that's something important for Mason to bring up. If you want to discuss, you know, why might a child not tell their parents about symptoms? So it, well, First of all, for me and other people, probably um, for a kid, most of all, they see their parents and they look perfect. To them, they look perfect. They don't have a disease. They they look fine. They don't have to run to the bathroom every 20 or 15 minutes. And the kid wants to be like their parents. They want to be perfect. And they probably live their life being normal, um, half of their life being normal. And so once they get this disease, it's a very big change and you don't want to do that. You you want to imagine that you're going to be fine, but you shouldn't do that because then it's just going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And another thing is adults too and kids, they both hate needles. Probably. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I know I hated needles a lot. So yeah, it's, that's another part. I don't want to get shots and infusions for the rest of my life. So Part of that was that's why he didn't tell us because he knew we'd take him to the doctor. Mm -hmm. And so my advice as a parent or a caregiver to this is, you know, take your child and if they're having GI issues and make sure that you push for them to maybe do some extra tests because they, they might do their standard tests, but that may not pick up any mark, you know, any markers for Crohn's, you know, something they could ask for is like a fecal calprotectin test. Very easy, very non-invasive for a child. And that can lead to determining some sort of inflammation just to a bigger picture. And also, you know, a finger prick, something that easy to test your hemoglobin to see if you are, you know, looking towards anemia or low iron. So that's also easy. And also make sure that your doctor keeps an eye on it and schedules follow-up visits regularly if they're having these GI issues. And another tip that we both have is Mm -hmm. to track your food intake. And so basically what's going in and what's going out as well. (laughs) So it's very important. And a parent can get a lot of clues by doing this because it's very easy as time goes. You think, oh, 
you know, you, you don't remember when something happened or how much it happened. So maybe a certain food messed you up. You don't know what it is. Right. So Mason, you know, you can tell them how mm-hmm. we like him to really help take control too of his health. And so he's part of monitoring his symptoms. So, you know, you can let them know some ideas on how to monitor your symptoms. So I recommend a journal. We I call it a journal because we don't like to get too far into this. But <laughs> I keep this in my bathroom for reasons. And you mark how many times you go because if you've done really bad one day, you don't you need to show your doctor that. And you can also write down in the bottom, you can write down if you have any pain. Or if you feel anything, if you've seen blood, uh, yes, that can happen. Uh, And things like that, you can write any of that down. But another thing is that might tie into that is if there's a day when you weren't doing that well, there's a food log. And so the day that you were having issues, you can look back in this and go, what did I eat? Mm -hmm. And if you ate something that messed you up, you can go, well, I'm not going to eat that anymore. So a food log is very important to keep if you have a, a journal, too. So those two tie together and um and they have apps important. for this too but what we did is we created these journals on our own and printed them and you know you can make your own we tailored it to meet his needs and specifically what we could bring to the doctor's office so when we show up we can show her exactly what's been happening and it also gives you a timeline to compare mm-hmm. you know if he is improving let's take a look where he was so that's also part of it is having doctors you can trust and if you feel like your doctor's not listening, always seek a second opinion, a third opinion, you know, do what you need to do for your health and take control of it. And especially with a child, you know, we can't, we don't have the same freedom that an adult has. If someone recommends, you know, supplements or recommends dietary changes, I can't just make those changes for Mason. I have to contact a doctor and defer always to our doctor first because he is a child. So it's important to just get a second opinion if you feel like your doctor's not listening to you, but don't make those changes on your own. So yeah. that's really important. And it's important for Mason to have a doctor he trusts. Yes. And I mean, what do you like about your GI doctor, your gastroenterologist? So one thing that I find very important is um, if you have a doctor that you have a child or a grown up, you want one to that's going to be good. So obviously they have to be intelligent. Um, they have to they have to know your history mm-hmm. because if you're if you are feeling a certain way, if you're feeling this way, they need to know that. You can't mm-hmm. just go in there and tell them, well, I've been doing this lately. Mm-hmm. They have to know what you've been doing in like the past year, how you've been feeling and all stuff. But um, it's very important that they understand what you're scared of. So if you're like, I'm scared of shots, they can they like, oh, well, if you're scared of this, we can try to make it better with something. So they can try to make you feel better and stuff. And for a kid, it's very important that a doctor is very kind to mm-hmm. them. So, gets down on your yes, level, gets right? That. My doctor got down on her knees and explained to me the the way I would get yeah. an infusion probably for the rest of my life or whatever yeah. way whatever I'd be using. But she and, respected yeah, you Yeah, she respected on that me level. very well. She did. And so it's very important that your doctor really, really cares about and you. And we have a whole team of doctors. Yes. So that's that's the other part in this is that, you know, you want to go to these regular appointments and stay on top of it. Things can change very quickly with Crohn's disease, as we've learned. Yes. So, you best. know, we have what? We have a, a gastroenterologist, yes. a pediatrician, ophthalmologist, yeah. dermatologist, cardiologist, cardiologist, a physical therapist, a mm-hmm. uh, 
dietitian, dietitian yes. and a therapist, therapist, which he loves his therapist. So she's Very fantastic. Nice. And then just, you know, your dentist, dentist. orthodontist mm -hmm. and any specialists. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, with this, he's been to about 80 appointments since he's been home from the hospital in about a year and a half. And so that's life changing, mm -hmm. you know, and trying to make all these appointments. And I know for you, I'll let you talk first about you. You know, how did your life change? How did Crohn's disease change your life? So before I ever got um, this disease, I used to golf. I used to go on road trips. I used to go to the mall a couple of times. Um, but what happens when you go into the bathroom a lot every 15 minutes is when you're golfing, sometimes a certain movement will make you have to go. Sometimes just walking will have to make you go. Sometimes and joint pain. Yeah, joint pain will you get hurt a lot too. of joint pain. Yeah. So when you're swinging or doing anything, maybe walking, sometimes your ankle might hurt, your back might hurt, your arms might hurt, anything might hurt. And so that has limited me a lot. And also the fact that I'm immunocompromised mm -hmm. means I can't go anywhere. And if I do, which is not recommended, if you do, you need to wear a mask. And that's just not that's not because of COVID. Right. It's because <laughs> I mean that has yeah, something to do with it. It does have something to do, but, but if you're immunocompromised, right, you can catch a mask is a good idea. Pretty much anything. Yeah. So immunocompromised people mm -hmm. um, don't have an immune system to protect them from certain things. Right. And um things and yeah. So, yeah. And so for me, you know, as a caregiver to this, it is kind of a unique look into having empathy for what your child is going to go through as an adult, because essentially you're going through it with them. Mm -hmm. And so your life is impacted as well. You know, I'm making his appointments, getting to his appointments, and we're dealing with insurance because you have to get different treatments approved. It's usually a fight. You usually have to argue or appeal to get certain treatments. And then you have the medical bills and even working for me when he's having a bad day, you know, he's my priority and I'm going to make sure that I'm able to help him. So it affects work. And he would be up all night, used to be up four to five times a night and, yeah. you know, half an hour Mostly. each. We did that for about a year and almost a year and a half. And so he just started sleeping through the night, which is a big deal. And so nice. yeah, so, you know, you're exhausted and you're tired and you need to also provide comfort and be their rock. And so something else as a caregiver or anyone, you know, therapy is great. And I highly recommend taking care of your own mental health so you can be in a great position to help them with theirs. So, you know, and then just, and beyond that, also advocating and learning about this disease, continuing to learn and making sure that, you know, we're speaking out and helping others, you know, and doing this as a team. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing is, you know, it, whether you're caregiving for your parent, for your child, or you're just an adult with this, it's extremely important to not be alone, find a friend, find, you know, groups, and just make sure that you know, you're not alone and you do have a team and you do have support. And that's what we provide for him. You know, he'll never be alone in this. So <laughs> he'll always be by his side. And so part of that, you know, we've pushed through this and learned to thrive and persevere. And I want, you know, I'm going to let you talk first mm -hmm. about some tips you can give before we close out here on how someone, a child especially, can get through this and stay positive. So for a child, they need a loving family, a loving mother, a loving father, a loving dog, <laughs> uh, loving grandparents mm -hmm. to help them get through. And 
if you're getting a shot, if you're getting infusion or whatever it is, mm-hmm. whoever it is, you might have your own fears. You might be scared of a shot. You might be scared of an infusion. Whatever it is, no matter where you're going, if you're getting an infusion, you might be really scared. But you, I recommend if you're very scared, you, your parents or whatever, <laughs> you could, whoever can, yeah, go whoever with can you. get yeah. them, yeah, uh, they can support them. And maybe if they do really good, um, get them a little surprise, like a Hot Wheels or maybe make get a special dinner they really like. So when you're getting that infusion and you're really in pain because that needle kind of hurts when it goes in, yeah, um, you just think of what surprise you're going to have afterwards. And maybe I'm going to feel better after this. I'm not going to go as much. I can relax. I don't have to keep going and going and going. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll sleep tonight. You can think of all the positive things and don't just think about the pain. And if it does hurt enough where you can't think of other things, you can, I've learned to cope with it, to hold my mom's hand or squish a toy. And we count. And we count. We have a counting so method. Yeah. You count one, two. So the whole time you're doing it, you just count the whole time. And then mm-hmm. once it's done, you can celebrate. So. Mm-hmm. And you found out by speaking out. Yeah, by speaking out, you can help other people recognize this disease or mm-hmm. um, help find its weakness faster or mm-hmm. get people to yeah, fundraise, fundraise and continue to give to this and, and donate. Because when you donate, mm-hmm. you will find a cure, an actual cure. That doesn't mean you have to go get a shot every four weeks. It means He's hopeful. you can get it. <laughs> You might get a cure that actually cures it forever, but that'd be... He would really like a pill. So that's that's the hope, right? Just something you can take. And so we were fortunate enough to be Mm -hmm. Rolf Benershka, who's a very big activist in with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, mm-hmm. just in general with this, he had reached out to me when Mason was diagnosed and he, you know, he really helped me to stop looking at everything at once. There was just so much and I was overwhelmed. And, you know, he, he's like, you have all these waves coming at you. Don't focus on all of them. Choose one, focus on one, let it come, write it out, then choose the next one. And so that's kind of what we started doing is just really staying focused and what we could do. And, mm-hmm. you know, what we could change, not worrying so much about what we couldn't. Let's yeah. just, you know, it's like, that's all right. That's Stay there. Positive. Stay positive and be open. We yes. have, we're very open with each other. And that's the most important thing because it also leads to really good communication with your doctors. Mm-hmm. And we, we also have kind of a, a listen don't tell like don't when he tells me something I listen I don't tell him how he's feeling Mm-mm. I listen to how he's feeling it's and very it's very important I think yes. it's easy to write people off and oh no you're not t- you know you're you're not tired no you're tired you're telling me and fatigue is a huge part of this I'm gonna look into this and so really listen and you know and and another part of this is if you feel like you want to reach out, you want to be supportive, you want to get involved, you know, look for local foundations where you're at with us. It's the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. They have volunteer opportunities, mentorships, and they can really help others while you're helping yourself. And I, I think the last part, one of the things is grief. I just want to cover it real quick because when he was diagnosed, I felt a lot of guilt that why am I feeling so terrible. Like it was just such a horrible, horrible feelings because my son was alive. My son was here, but we had just been dealt a life-changing diagnosis. So 
and, you know, I guess acknowledge that grief that you are mourning the life you thought you had and that you thought your child would have and accept your new journey, welcome it, but you do have to, you know, it's okay. Go through all the feelings, go through all the feels mm -hmm. and get where you need to be to walk your new journey together. And I think stay strong, stay strong and stay very strong. never give up, never give up. <laughs> keep fighting, yes. keep the fight for crows. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mason and Michelle. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So before I comment, mom, I forgot to introduce you. I forgot you guys are doing the duo. I definitely want to let everyone know a little bit about you before oh. I comment. So, She's my mom. Yeah. She's a wonderful mom. Michelle Harvey. Michelle Harvey is a mother and caregiver to her 12-year-old Mason Harvey, a Crohn's disease warrior. Michelle has been the broker and owner of Harvey Homes Real Estate since 2005 and also owns and operates Good Karma Camels with her son and husband. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> Mason, you are amazing. I'm thank just in you. awe of how you're taking this. And I love the mom and son duo. Oh. I love it. I love it. You guys were oh. really good. It's the best. I don't, each other. I don't do anything without her. I love Well, you do. This kid, no, he I know. will. No, I mean, I, you just, you help me with everything. Yeah. Well, if I feel, if I don't feel that good, she can help. If anything, she always makes sure I feel, um, on top of my best. Well, this is a gift to be able to do this together mm -hmm. and speak out together. It I truly is. With and by that. my side. I love that. Yeah. And I also love the journaling too. I think yeah. that's with, with everything. Even it does. Adults, it helps adults as well. So. It sure does. Yeah. It is. It's a great tip to do. Yeah, for anyone. Very smart. But thank you guys for being so transparent and sharing. Thank you yeah. guys. Thank you. Thank you. Mama, some do. I love it. <laughs> thank you. Thank no you. So our next speaker is Monica Levinson. Lovingson, did I pronounce that correctly? Forgive Levinson. me if I did. Okay. <laughs> she is a small business owner on the Move Corporate Housing. She has been in the industry for over 30 years. Proud bonus mom to two adult women. She loves to travel. Monica was diagnosed with Crohn's disease almost 15 years ago. Also, she is a volunteer with the Crohn Calidius Foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Monica Lovingson. Thank you, Gigi and Lakeisha. But before I go forward, I have to tell you, when I first met Mason, he was the speaker for our gala. He, he took my heart then. And when he came off the stage, I immediately went and shared with him that I also have crowns. And his response to me was, I will pray for you. That was it. <laughs> From then on, he's had my heart, that's for sure. Um, I am actually going to depend a little bit on my notes because I have had such a long journey. I don't want to leave anything out that is pertinent and information that could help someone. So uh, I will move on from here. I am truly honored and excited to have been asked to share my Crohn's journey and to be on this panel with the others that are suffering from this disease. I choose to share my story specifically for those individuals that are suffering with Crohn's in silence, which Mason touched on. They're just too embarrassed to talk about it, even with their own families. One thing I've learned about Crohn's is every person's experience is so different. My story started with a widowmaker heart attack that I suffered at age 39. After the cardiologist had put two stents in, he told my family it was a good thing that I came in when I did because 
If I hadn't come in when I did, I probably wouldn't have woken up the next morning. My main artery was 98% blocked. When I found that out, I had a little bit of survivor's guilt. Like, why was I left down here? It was at that point, I knew God had a bigger plan for me. And it was because I have a big mouth, as you can tell, and I can share my story, my symptoms, and in turn, save other women's lives. For years, we've focused as an industry on men and their symptoms with heart attacks, where for women, it's so different. My symptoms were more along the lines of somebody with food poisoning. You never would have thought that that's which way I was heading. Um, That's what led me to get involved with the Heart Association, which I have to say today is Go Red for Women. I noticed that Michelle has her heart. I have my heart. I have my red on, so I have to do that plug. Um, And it's to bring awareness for women and heart disease. And after sharing my story so many times, I realized as people reached back out to me, I saved lives. And as silly as this is about to sound, it was pretty heartwarming. You can only imagine. And this is where we lead into the Crohn's section. The year that the Heart Association asked me to be the survivor speaker at the Go Lunch, uh, at the Go Red Luncheon, of course, I was very nervous. This was many years ago. And all I could think of was, please don't let me have a big belly cramp to take me off the stage in the middle of my speech. I was so afraid I'd have to use the restroom to the point where I didn't even eat anything that morning. So three weeks after the heart attack, I was back in the emergency room with severe rectal bleeding. Let me also say, I am going to try to be as transparent and not frighten anyone, but share my journey so that others understand perhaps what they're going through and why they're going through it. So my my intent is not to offend or scare, but to inform. So I just say that because my last comment. So back to, I had the severe rectal bleeding three weeks after the severe heart attack. You can only imagine how terrified I was. Well, it only gets better. (laughs) I was, of course, went straight to the emergency room and I had a male doctor. Now, at least I, at the time, was 39 years old. I bring this up because not once, not twice, three times, the male doctor asked me if I was sure which, sorry, hole I was bleeding out of. I can't even begin to imagine if Mason was a girl dealing with what he's dealing with and then having a doctor who you think knows everything that's taking care of you and is questioning you three times if you know where the blood is coming out of. That that alone should be like fixed in the books for the, the, the doctors. Anyway, at that point, I spent another five days in the hospital. I, un- I underwent several tests from blood work to a colonoscopy. 
I was told that I wasn't allowed to go home until there was no blood in my stool. I cannot begin to tell you how deflated I was each time I had a bowel movement, and there were many, to see the toilet bowl filled with blood. During this time, I had to have several blood infusions. I remember one night after they, and it was late, like the late shift was there. It was probably 11 o'clock at night. And they came in and my blood work came back, the markers, and I had to have yet another infusion. I asked the nurse if I could just please take a quick walk down the hall. I had to get out of my room. I was claustrophobic. And I was told I wasn't allowed to leave my room. I could only go literally from my hospital bed to my bathroom. She let me go down the hall. I went down the hall, out into the lobby area. It was empty. It was cold. I looked up. I, I prayed to God that he would please help the doctors diagnose what was causing this bleeding and to give me the strength to get through it. I can't begin to tell you how scared I was. It was a lot for someone that thought she was pretty healthy to endure a major heart attack and then to have severe rectal bleeding all within a three week span. In retrospect, because Crohn's is inflammatory bowel disease, it's part of that. It's the inflation, inflation, inflammation that caused the plaque to get carried up into my artery. So they think that's what caused the heart attack. Now, let me try to insert a little bit of levity since we've gotten a little bit heavy here. I had had several blood infusions and the joke with my family became if I said or did something stupid, that wasn't me. That was one of those other people whose blood is inside of my body because I would certainly never do anything like that. So that was just something to, again, find the best in every situation, you know, like, like Mason and Michelle, just so thankful that I, I had people that did donate blood because I definitely um, needed it. And my myself and my family got very involved with donating blood since then. Over the last 15 years, I've had multiple colonoscopies, endoscopies, and a sigmoidoscopy. While the sigmoidoscopy is the least invasive, for me, it was the most excruciating. I had been having 10 to 15 bowel movements per day. My bum was raw. It hurt just to wipe. The doctor performed right then and there on my doctor appointment, the emergency procedure, but you don't get any medication. They don't put you out at all. There's nothing. The pain was so bad, I thought I was gonna climb the ceiling. So make sure if you're ever in this situation, you do ask for something to help with the pain or to numb you or, or something. Then I moved on and had tried several different types of oral medications that did control my Crohn's for a period of time. 
And then I was eventually moved to a biologic called Remicade, having infusions every eight weeks. And let's not forget the miracle pill that we all have a love and hate relationship with, prednisone. Each flare would include several rounds of prednisone, which for me, I almost just looked at the pill and it would stop my bleeding. It really is a miracle drug. While it stopped the bleeding and of course brings down the information, I'm sorry, inflammation, that's the love part of the drug. The hate part is the weight gain. I remember not being able to eat enough food, to chew fast enough to feel satisfied. For my 40th birthday, I had a moon face. I was irritable. And then of course you, lose, you have bone density loss. So it's a tough one. And after a few years on Remicade, I developed antibodies. So back to the drawing board, I went with my GI doctor. We discussed several options. A new medication had just been approved by the FDA that was specifically geared towards Crohn's that they'd already been using in other countries. For the last seven years, I've been getting Antivio infusions every eight weeks. I just had one last week. And like Mason pointed out, the worst part of the infusion is the needle going into the vein. I have thick skin, I have rolling veins. They get the needle in and the vein just moves around. So imagine the needle inside trying to track down that vein. So truly that's the worst part in my opinion of the, um, uh, uh, of the infusion. But I'm happy to say my Crohn's has been in remission since starting Antivio. I still have urgency issues, but I do my best not to let that stop me from being active and living my life. Sometimes you feel like the disease is gonna win, but you have to fight back and learn your strength. Where there's a lot more to Crohn's than blood and poop, those tend to be the cause of embarrassment. It takes a toll on your confidence and self-esteem when you don't make it to the bathroom in time. I am always scouting out to see where the closest bathroom is. I hate having a middle or a window seat on a plane. If I'm stuck in traffic, I get anxious. If there's a line at the bathroom, I get nervous. If I wipe my bottom and there's blood, I worry. One of my most unforgettable episodes of not making it to the bathroom in time was when I was driving to a client appointment. I had to make an emergency stop, but unfortunately I didn't make it in time. After cleaning myself up, discarding my underwear, I had to decide if I should just call and cancel my business appointment or compose myself to go with the meeting. It was a very, very difficult decision. All I wanted to do was go home, take a shower, get into my PJs and climb into bed, but I didn't. Instead, I went through with my client meeting. To be healthy, I walk. I walk a lot. My biggest concern is always if there will be bathrooms on my, on my route. There have been times I've had no choice but to find the nearest bush. Even if I know that no one saw me, it's embarrassing to myself. Then when I walk past those areas, it's a constant reminder. While it's difficult, I will not let this disease win. I always choose to take back the control. 
Yes, we all have bad days. I understand that. A lot of these things, of course, are embarrassing and uncomfortable to talk about. I want people to know that they're not alone and there is help. Uh, Michelle mentioned the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. They have been a godsend to me because I, when I got involved, I was around people that were just like me. People that I could relate with, that would exchange information with me, ask questions, compare symptoms. If I had a flare, I could reach out to someone that understood what I was going through, really understand. I remember one time a group of us were sitting around sharing the worst place we had to poop. I'm gonna tell you, that made for an interesting conversation. <laughs> I can't stress enough how important it is to get in contact with your local chapter. They can even set you up with your own personal mentor. Through Team Challenge, I've developed strength and endurance. I learned how to push myself in areas I never thought possible. It made me physically and mentally stronger. I will never forget how good it felt to complete my first half marathon on the Las Vegas Strip, especially since I used to be a couch potato. Since getting involved with Team Challenge, I've completed 10 half marathons to date. The best part of competing these half marathons has been doing them with my girls. We have made so many memories on hundreds of miles of asphalt together. Additionally, there's several private Facebook and Instagram pages that people can ask questions and get help on as well. You need to reach out and find a connection. You must be your own advocate. I recently learned that things don't happen to us. They happen for us. This underscores why I continue to be vulnerable and share my story, knowing I can make a difference in people's in people's lives that are living with IBD. While I am not a fan of public speaking, I truly believe this is my calling. Thank you again, Gigi, for all you're doing to bring awareness to Crohn's and IBD and for having me on the panel today. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Monica, you are a brave soul. I salute you and your transparency. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. Now our next daughter and father duo, Tony Larson and George McMillan. Tony McMillan is an inspirational speaker and author and her dad, George McMillan, he's a Crohn's disease warrior. Ladies and gentlemen, introduce our fourth, well, fifth and sixth speaker, George McMillan and Tony Milligan. You're muted. You're muted. Can you hear me now? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Yes, and it's Millican. Yes, that's good though. Um, I just want to say thanks for all that you are doing. And, and Gigi, you are amazing. And I just am enjoying this journey and being alongside, um, you know, and doing. And my dad, um, I was about seven years old when my dad started getting sick. And I can remember all of the 
the, um, you know, days that he was in bed or the days that we'd have to stay home. And I remember my mom calling the ambulance and, you know, him having to go to the hospital. And then when he was in the hospital and this was, you know, 50 some years ago, so they did not know what Crohn's disease was back then, but I remember him going to the hospital and when he would, then of course we would have to go stay either with grand, you know, the grandparents or with friends and stuff. And so as a child, it was hard um, for me because I just wanted to have my dad at home. I didn't want him to be sick. And then when he really did get sick, um, then, you know, I felt as though I had to step up and kind of take his place since I was the oldest. And it's just something, you know, that, that a child, I think just, you know, puts within their mind, not that they have to, but I just thought I did it because who was going to be there and, you know, who was going to help mom out, who was going to help mom with the kids and, you know, who was going to be there to, to help, you know, take care of the yard and stuff. So I became, I became, you know, that person and with along with my brother. And I remember the um, heartache that my mom suffered because, you know, he was very, very sick. And of course his started, um, first from an ulcer, and then they were able to find all of the other issues along with that. But I remember him being in bed um, when he came home from the hospital and just having to lay there in the hospital bed in the living room. And, you know, it was tough as, as kids because this person wasn't able to do things that a dad's supposed to be able to do or that he was doing with us. And I remember the hardship, you know, that it was on the family. And I think that that's you know, like Michelle was saying, um, and with Harvey, it does, it puts a hardship on your family. And, you know, um, I just can't imagine if someone has to do this all by themselves, because that would be so hard to do. And I am so thankful that, you know, my dad had um, his parents still there. And my mom had help. And then, um, we had friends that were always helping, but the greatest help was our pastor at that time. He, he was like, um, kind of like a parent to my mom and dad, I think. And, and so it was a good thing that he was around to help. But I remember he, um, had to go here in Colorado it was university of Denver. And that was the only place that he could go where they would be able to find out anything. And, so those were those long trips up there and wait for him was he was in the doctor's office or that's another time, you know, when he was in the hospital, then my mom would have to take him up there and we'd have to go and stay with other people. And so it was a hard time on the family altogether, you know, um, not being able to be at home and to do the things that you wanted to do. And then I remember as, um, you know, we, my dad, um, he'll tell more of his story there, but there was there was many times that it was very scary for us as kids. Um, and I'll just let my dad tell his side of the story about that because that's his story. Um, but as, as a child, I also remember, you know, just wanting my dad to be well, to be there, to, you know, is my dad gonna live to, you know, see me graduate from high school? Is he gonna be able, you know, is he gonna be around and stuff? I could remember after he had gotten home, his brother um, came from California and we went to our zoo and he was in a wheelchair. And that was, there's a time that I can remember. It was sad. It broke my heart, you know, as a kid, 
you don't ever want to see your dad in a wheelchair and it's just life changing for sure. But, you know, here we are, um, you know, almost 55 years um, plus, you know, um, him being well. And then he also, you know, led the doctors here to so many different discoveries, you know, which, which help people today. And that, so it's a journey that you can be thankful for that many years ago. And, and I'm sure Gigi, you know, with your mom, um, because she's been a long time survivor too. And so back then it was, it was tough because they just didn't know what it was, you know, just like if someone had ended up with cancer back then and stuff, but it does, it, it, it changes your life. And, you know, as you grow older, then you remember things about it and you, you know, you're just thankful that he's still here for sure. But, um, I too suffer from um, IBS, you know, which is kind of related with that. And so there, I can understand, you know, having to make sure that you know where the bathroom is and, oh my goodness is, you know, is it going to act up while you're out? Or if I eat this, it's going to act up. And so my heart goes out to each and every one of you because I can, I can deal with that. Not to the degree that you guys do at all, but um, it is not anything that is, that is nice whatsoever. So um, dad, I'll let you tell some of your, is that okay, Gigi? Yes, if he goes ahead, I'll interact with him. Yeah, this, uh, Crohn's disease, uh, way back when, uh, was first called Eisenhower's disease. I didn't know if y'all had heard of that or not, but my first surgery was in May of 1970, and it started out with a ulcer at the uh, outlet of my stomach, and then uh, uh, found out that I had a bowel blockage and go to the hospital, have all fixed up. And while I was in the hospital, uh, they found out that uh, way back uh, years before, when I'd had an aptidectomy, when they put my, uh, when they put the guts back in, so to speak, and uh, sewed back up, the things just kind of, well, the doctor said it was like someone had picked him up and just dropped him in there. So that, that of course, caused adhesions and all that. So I did, all, I did all right for a while after my surgery and came back home. But four days later, I was rushed back to the hospital with a bowel, uh, bowel obstruction. And... Uh, so I had to have a second surgery then and had an epileptic uh, reaction to the, uh, to the meds. And then my stomach built up so much that it actually put heart, uh, pressure on my heart and it stopped in the middle of the night. Well, uh, thankfully my pastor was there and uh, of course, my wife was there also, and uh, they, they they prayed over me, and and uh, I started getting better. And uh, why don't you look at the camera? Tell tell your story about when you did die. I'm sure people want to know that when, when you did die, what happened? Oh. Look and tell. 
Yeah, well, that was a real experience. Uh, uh, I had been real sick and uh, like I was saying, the, the, the pressure was building up and uh, it blocked my heart. It uh, built up around my heart and then stopped my heart. And uh, what Tony was mentioning it, uh, my experience was how the body experienced. And I was above my hospital bed, floating around like a fish. And uh, I was at such peace, the nurses and doctors come in and I just prayed to God that they'd leave me, leave me alone because I was, I was so peaceful. And, uh, but as as it happened, they was able to ram a tube down my throat and get the the pressure relieved. So then, of course, uh, they got the pressure relieved off the heart, and it, it began functioning properly. And uh, so, uh, but to make a long story short, for the next uh, eighteen months. Um, I was bedridden, in and out of bed, so to speak. Uh, was not able to uh, to do any work, any outside work or anything. So for about the next eighteen months, so I was laid off, and uh, and a man hates to uh, go to the, the welfare and ask for help. But I did. I had to swallow my pride, and a beautiful wife helped me and encouraged me. And so we uh, we struggled through this. And uh, I'm doing so much better now. I still have spells now and then, but uh, good Lord taking care of me. Surrounded with good family and all that. Yeah, and it was amazing. Well, it wasn't amazing. It was just an absolute miracle that the pastor was in his room. He had decided that he was going to go spend the night, um, you know, with, with my dad that night. And so he, he said the minute that it all happened, he just started praying. And, you know, I remember my dad saying that he told God, um, don't, don't send me back. Don't send me back. And God said, no, I'm not done yet. Um, and then about three years later, my little sister was born. So God wasn't done with them, you know. Um, and of course, then he's so active in church and stuff like that, too, that, uh, you know, God left him here for a good reason. But um, I remember, too, you know, when my dad was in was in the bed that, um, you know, you just see him lay in there and he's, you know, he's not really able to eat a lot. But then it seems like he's always in the bathroom. Right. And so. I remember my daddy was, he was a thin, thin person then, but he went down to like being hardly anything. And I don't remember what he weighed, but he was more Probably like a skeleton, things. you know? And, and so you just see your dad withering around, you know, withering away at such a, a young age, but, you know, it also, um, it really helped our family to see that, that God cared so much about us, you know, that he was leaving my dad there too to set an example. And my dad has set a, a very, very amazing example, you know, for us as, as a man and as a, as a follower of Christ too. So. 
Yeah, well, he left me here so I can beat on you kids. <laughs> so, but um, I'm glad too that my dad was able, you know, that long ago to, you know, to, to let the doctors use him as kind of like a guinea pig and learn a bunch of stuff off of him so that they could inform other, you know, doctors. And, and that way, you know, people nowadays know more about that. Not that my dad did it all, but he, he contributed to that. And um, so well, they kept me there in the, in the University of, of uh, Colorado Hospital there in Denver as kind of a guinea pig. You know, they wanted to kind of study me. And mm -hmm. yeah, it was so dumb. They would take my stool sample and go and then have it analyzed and all that stuff. And at the time, uh, it, was, it sounded so gross but I guess that's what they learned, what they they really learned a lot from that yeah. yeah so yeah so we all can contribute something through through the bad times that we have in life so but thank you ladies for what you are doing and Gigi thank you for bringing the awareness you know out and I just applaud each and every one of you thank you Tony and George Thank you, Sister Tony. I thought we've seen each other last year, so it was a pleasure seeing you. Thank you again. You too. He's a blessing. I love that. Thank you guys for being so transparent. It's needed today. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. Our yeah. next speaker, you're going to have to help me with your last name. Munira Zahabi. Habi? Manira Zahabi. Oh, I had butched the whole thing. I do apologize. She's the niche navigator. She's an author, speaker, influencer, and entrepreneur from Chicago, Illinois. Through her business, she has influenced many people to navigate to their niche. She firmly believes that all people have a niche but are, are afraid to explore the deep, dark waters within themselves and take a voyage through the ranging waters within to find it. I love that. Can I steal that? Marina's mission is to integrate the concept of nicheology, businessology, and confidenceology. Love that too. To learn more about her and her niche, please click. Well, yeah, she'll let you know exactly how to get in contact with her. But ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker. I can't say your name. I do forget. Forgive me again. I'm going to butcher your name, but she's amazing. She she's known as the niche navigator. We're gonna we're gonna go with that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Welcome. So thank you, everybody. Gigi, thank you so much, Lakeisha. Thank you for the introduction. I am just amazed at Mason and all of the speakers that came through. They were just amazing. The fact is that you have to speak it into existence but this is not what we want to speak about we want to bring this awareness for me the journey to Crohn's began when my husband was diagnosed and I came into the picture after he was diagnosed so we were married for seven years and I've seen him suffering through this disease because all he did was every time we go out to eat, the first thing out of his mouth would be, is it spicy? It cannot be spicy. And I never, in the beginning, I never understood what he meant. But as, I, as the disease progressed, and I became very much aware of it, I realized that a little bit of spice could kill him. And not literally, but it can 
keep him awake. It can keep him going to the bathroom. And everywhere we went, everywhere, it would be to a friend's house, to a family member's house, to a restaurant, to a hospital. He knew where the bathrooms were because that was the one thing he needed. He would have a bag with him. He had clothes, extra clothes with him, but he refused to wear the adult diapers, just refused because it was against his sanity, you would say. The thing is, when I came into it, I, he had already adjusted to the disease. He would pick and choose his foods. He knew what would work for him, what wouldn't work for him. He had been dealing with this for almost four or five years. But as a caretaker that came into the picture, I was very new to this. You know, my father had had diabetes and hypertension, but I had never seen this disease before. I had never even known. We, you know, when I eat certain foods myself, I sometimes have to go to the bathroom immediately because it doesn't agree with me. For him, it was constant. Every time that he did, he ate something, he would have to go find a bathroom. And then sometimes he would say, I'm bleeding. And it took me a while to realize what this was. I did a lot of studies. And at, every time we went to the GI specialist, which was once a month, he had to be tested um, because they would take his stool, they, was, they would take his urine. And my husband just didn't have Crohn's. He had diabetes, he had, he had GI issues also. And that was affecting him. And diabetes was slowly creeping up and it was killing him. We didn't realize that. But Crohn's made it worse. Every time we went to the doctor, they would take his blood and urine. And I asked them, this is a teaching hospital. Don't you have any research going on for this? Don't you know of any groups that I can join? The hospitals were of no help. I didn't know that there were support groups like Mason is involved in. I didn't know about that until right now. But this is something that it should be aware. The hospitals and the caretakers should be aware of giving, they should give this information to everybody. The doctors that were taking care, the team of uh, GI physicians that were taking care of my husband were very aware of his condition. We went to the Cook County Hospital, the Stroger Hospital, which was a day county hospital, and they did a lot. And then they moved to Loyola, and this was a teaching hospital, both of them, teaching hospitals, very good standing in the society, but they didn't have anything that I felt that they didn't have any awareness or they didn't do anything. One doctor who was a intern, he said, would you like to be participating in studies? Because my husband had other, uh, other issues, they wouldn't give him the biologics, they wouldn't give him any immunosuppressants, they wouldn't give him anything. And prednisone, they gave him prednisone like um, the former speaker said, but it, it didn't do anything for him because it just, um, it gave him very minimal relief, but it didn't do anything for him. I have a pharma background and I used to go reach out to pharmacists that I knew in my former life to say, 
can you help me with this? I don't understand Crohn's. It supposedly also is a hereditary disease. So his cousin, my husband's cousin had it, my, my husband's, um, and she was using biologics. One of his other cousin in Africa was also on it and he had different um, symptoms, but they couldn't figure it out. Now Crohn's is very similar to IBS. You could have, um, and, 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 and it also is very similar to ulcerative colitis. So which one do you pick and which one do you take care of first, right? How do you, and I, I would always ask the doctor, how do you then figure out what are the check marks that you would check on this piece of form that you have, that this is not uh, IBS, so it's not ulcerative colitis, but it is Crohn's. And he, they told me there's different forms of ulcerative colitis. It is also different forms of Crohn's, but you just have to deal with it. I knew and I saw my, my husband suffering. Sometimes he would have flare-ups in the middle of the night and he would just tell me, go to sleep, I'll deal with it. But you can't. You are sitting next to the, you're sleeping next to him in the bed and he's up every five minutes to go to the bathroom. You just can't do that. So I resorted to Pedialyte. One of the things that I did was buy cases and cases of Pedialyte and that really helped him because it would soothe him. If it helps a baby, it helps an adult. That's what I say. And it really was amazing. I saw him deteriorate because at one point he was a big man. He was six feet, almost six feet, broad shoulders. His brother looks like him right now. But over the years, in seven years, he deteriorated. One time we had gone to a restaurant out in the Indian district in Chicagoland and I was picking and choosing what he could eat. And the man who was waiting for us, he knew my husband and said, why aren't you letting him eat? He, ever since he met you, he's lost so much weight. <laughs> and I looked at him, I was hurt when he said that. And I looked at him and I said, if only you knew. If only you knew, because my husband was a foodie, he loved food. But for him to just eat plain white rice compared to the fried rice at a Chinese restaurant was, you know, it, it hurt his heart, just little things like that. So how do you solve it? So everywhere we went, we took some yogurt, we helped, it helped with that. It also helped and we just stopped everything. He didn't have a food diary. But we, we stopped eating out. We, we made everything at home. But we picked, and, uh, we picked our vegetables, we picked our meat, and we made a balanced meal out of that. And it helped him somewhat, but Pedialyte and yogurt were his best friends. He would just take that with him. He would have a, you know, a few bottles of that in the car as well. It's not a kind disease. And I, I feel that everybody who is suffering out there are very brave. The little boy out there was just amazing. But how do you, there's no, there's no cure for these diseases of yet. So we all need to do something about this to put our hands together to get a cure because there's too much suffering. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you, Lakisha, for having me here. Thank you for giving me a 
chance to speak. Thank you, Manira. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much for being transparent. Our next speaker is my sister, Dr. Rosalind Willis. Dr. Willis is a stroke and domestic violence survivor. She is a sexual assault and domestic violence advocate. Dr. Willis has a passion to serve and reach the lost at any cost. Dr. Willis is the co-founder of TNR Birthing Books Publishing, LLC. Dr. Willis is an international public speaker, coach, author, evangelist, and publisher. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Dr. Rosalind Willis. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much, Gigi, for uh, allowing me to come and share my story. Thank you, Sis Lakeisha, as well. Um, I just, I'm, I'm so grateful to God for being able to be here with these amazing warriors. And, um, you know, it, it does something to my heart to hear the stories, you know, of others that are, you know, ex have experienced the same things that I've experienced. And so my story starts when I was 29 years old. Um, in 2001, I was going back and forth to the doctor because I was having these stomach pains that I just, I mean, they were just horrible. The only thing I could compare it to was childbirth when I gave birth to my children. And so I'm going back and forth to the doctor. You know, they told me at first, they said, well, you know, it's, it's probably your gallbladder. So they took out my gallbladder. And I'm like, okay, well, the pain still came back. Um, three, four months after the gallbladder was removed, I still started having this pain. And I'm back and forth to the hospital. I was losing weight. I got to a size eight. I was, um, I mean, I just, I couldn't keep nothing down. I was throwing up. And and then, you know, the, the bleeding from my anus came. Um, and that scared me. And I'm like, something is wrong. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but something is wrong. So I was study, um, going back and forth again to the hospital. They started doing a lot of tests. And uh, one of the tests uh, that was, I think, the most painfulest test was what they call a barium enema, where they had me to lay on a table and they blew uh, gas, I uh, mean, not gas, but um, air um, in my rectum. And then they put this medicine, this white chalky medicine to look at, you know, your insides. Um, that was very painful. But, you know, they felt like it was needed. Um, went on from there. They did um, another uh, capsule endoscopy. Uh, where I had to swallow. It looked like a, a big horse pill, but it was a camera. Um, they did a whole lot of different tests. And finally, um, they came back with, you have diverticulitis. So I started taking the medication for diverticulitis. Pain's still coming. Okay, then they, I went back again. <laughs> and um, they said, you not only do you have diverticulitis, but you have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. So I'm like, okay. So again, up until this point, I had been very healthy, working out, um, very active. Um, I was working and going to college. And um, when it got really, really bad, I was I was at work um, at the university, Eastern New Mexico University. I was a director for African American Affairs. It, the pain was so bad that I collapsed in my office. When I came to, um, I was in the ambulance on my way to the hospital. There I stayed in the hospital for two weeks. And that's when I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. 
had never in my life heard of Crohn's disease. Um, and that, you know, there laying in the bed, I started researching what Crohn's disease was. That's when I began to understand the depth of what I was going through. My life was changed at 29 as a mother, as a wife, um, everything changed. I was always speaking at church and singing. And it changed because I would be up singing in the middle of a song and have to leave and go to the bathroom. Or I would be speaking and have to leave and go to the bathroom. Everything started happening to be going back and forth to the bathroom. You guys, I know y'all understand what I'm talking about, uh, my fellow warriors. Um, then the fatigue. Because I was so active, I was, a, uh, uh, you know, I wanted my house to be always pristine, everything perfect. And, you know, I was that person that didn't didn't want everything cluttered up and all of that. All of that changed because sometimes for days I couldn't get out of the bed. And my family, they called it lazy. Why are you getting lazy? Because they didn't understand. See, the thing about Crohn's is when they can't see your pain, people are very judgmental. And they don't think that you have anything going on. That was the hardest part of dealing with, with Crohn's disease. It's trying to explain to other people, I want to do this, but I can't do that. And then going into the bathroom and staying for hours. My kids coming in to check on me. Are you okay? Sitting on the toilet until your legs are numb. Because you can't get up. It seems like as soon as you get up, you got to go again. And so you're just there for hours. The whole process of, of getting diagnosed and, and everything. So anybody out there that's listening, you know, if you have these symptoms, please go and, and, and ask questions. You know, don't let them just pick and prob on you. Say, look, you know, maybe it's Crohn's. Can you check me for Crohn's? Like literally say that <laughs> because you don't want to go through all these medications that made my stomach worse. I was taking all these other medications that they gave me and it made it worse. The good thing about this whole process, it may seem, you know, really, really bad, but I have a saying, I say my pain birthed my purpose. The things that, I, that hurt me the most with Crohn's birthed my purpose. Through all of it, I got a voice. I was able to share with others. I would be in the doctor's office waiting for my appointment and somebody would come out that's devastated because they just got the news that they had Crohn's. And I was able to sit with them and talk to them and pray with them and reassure them. I became an advocate for Crohn's and explaining to people that you're not gonna die just because you have Crohn's. That's not gonna be your lot in Jesus name. That's what I would tell them. So sometimes we go through things that are painful and it doesn't make any sense. You know, we saw the young man that is so brave, Mason, that, that shared his, his story. His pain, and I know that pain, birthed his purpose. Now him and his mother are advocates and speaking. So anybody that's going through this, you know, there's a purpose in this pain. You have to go through something sometimes so God can anoint you for the journey ahead. So stay encouraged and know that as long as you got a pulse, you got a purpose. Thank y'all so much. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Russell.
Liz, you know you always inspire me. Always inspire me. Thank you so much for being <laughs> a blessing, being always transparent in whatever you do. Thank you again Thank for sharing you. your story. And you have many of them. I salute Thank you. Thank you. Thank I salute you. you. Appreciate you. Our next speaker is Jackie Brannigan. She is a female founders mentor consultant, award-winning serial entrepreneur, and tech startup co-founder Social Brand Explosion with the launch of Insta Explosion. Take your Instagram brand and community to a new level. The world's first IG rewards program ever. I like that, ever. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Jackie Brannigan. Welcome. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Um, my journey started, um, or I will tell you the bit maybe, was um, a day that I got up. I couldn't dress myself. I couldn't walk. Um, I was in a really bad way. Uh, I had a hospital appointment, but my husband couldn't bring me because we have one son that lives with Asperger's, dyspraxia and ADHD. And my husband had to bring him to school. So I said to him, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'll get a taxi. So he helped dress me, bought, carried my case out to the taxi. I was going in for a day procedure. We arrived at the hospital and the taxi man took in my case. When he came back out, I still hadn't been able to get out of the car. So he helped me out and brought me in very slowly into the hospital. And when they saw me walk in, they rushed at me with a wheelchair. And I started to cry. And I said, I'm not getting into that. And they said, you have to, you can't walk. And I was, but what if people see me? I was so embarrassed at having to get into a wheelchair. That day I was brought down and prepared and like that I had to have an enema and I just screamed. I literally screamed. I said, you know, stay away from me. I don't care. Just stay away from me. I was eventually brought down to theatre and when I came back up, still quite sedated, my husband and my very good friend were there and we were told... Um, that I was very, very ill. At that point, because my father suffered from bowel cancer, they thought that that's what it was with me. So um, they had said to me, um, you have to stay in the hospital. And I was like, no way, no way. I said, I'm going away on holidays in a few days. Just give me a few painkillers or whatever and I'll be fine. I promise I'll rest. And they said to me, Jackie, if you leave the hospital today, the only way you'll be traveling is in a coffin. So that was a heck of a wake up call. It really was. And um, my journey had started a few months earlier with like that horrific stomach pains. I lost my appetite um, the running to the loo the embarrassment of being caught short so many times. Um, I was running my own business at the time. And when you're trying to 
appear professional in front of your staff, but you've got this very personal thing going on within your body. Um, it was just, for me, I felt so embarrassed and um, being caught short so many times, um, I was finally, um, you know, through a process of months and it got to a stage whereby the only thing I wanted was to drink Club Orange. I don't know if you guys know that. It's probably similar to Fanta, but that's all I wanted. And my husband was saying, you can't take that. That's not good for you. You should drink water. And I'm saying, but that's all I want. I just want that. So I had spoken to my doctor and she had said, if that's what you want, if that's what you feel right now, just take it. And then, of course, came the day that I was to be admitted for the procedure, but ended up being quite a stay. Um, through that, I was eventually diagnosed with Crohn's and put on a series of medications, one of which was infleximab. I don't know if you're aware or familiar with that one. It's a form of chemo. And I was on that and I started to lose my hair, all the stuff that goes with that kind of treatment. And as bad as that was, it was the reaction of my son when my hair was falling out or I would go to brush it. And he was just devastated, absolutely devastated. Moved on, I was put on Humera eventually. Um, loads of the steroids, all that sort of stuff. And um, eventually I remember sitting in my car one day, crying my eyes out. I had developed so much neuropathy, just pain, so much pain. And I had obviously the fact I couldn't walk, I had got inflammatory arthritis. So I was in the car, really in horrible pain one day, and I turned the radio on just to stop the noise in my own head. And there was this lady in Ireland called Vera Toomey, and she was talking about her daughter with Travat syndrome, a serious form of epilepsy. And she was saying how um, she was giving her CBD oil, but it wasn't doing enough. So in my head, I start thinking, okay, they have me on all these meds, which included epileptic meds, which included heart meds, you name it. So I decided, okay, if it helps this young child with her illness, perhaps it might help me. I was desperate. I was desperate. And being the daughter of a policeman in Ireland, um, it terrified me the thought, you know, this thing that there might be cannabis in it that people talk about. So eventually, anyway, I went into town. Uh, there was a shop there that specialised in all this kind of thing. And I got it. And from travelling, and this is just what it did for me, but from travelling with my hand luggage was always full of medication, ones that had to be frozen, put in nice bags, into the fridge, etc. From about being 10 days on the CBD oil, I was able to come off all my meds. So for me, it was 
unbelievable. I have told many people how it has helped me and thankfully it has helped them. Some brands work for some people and not for others. But the pain, I remember even going to my doctor and he thought I was going for another prescription. And I said, no, no, I don't need any of them. And he said, why? And I said, I'm not taking them anymore. And he said, you came off them. You're not supposed to come off them. You're supposed to be, you know, slowly taken off them. And I was like, well, I started taking, I told him the brand of CBD and I started taking it. And um, he started writing notes because he couldn't believe I wasn't taking any uh, of those meds. And I believe me, there was a heck of a lot. So that was um, a huge awakening for me. And um, I think for him as well, <laughs> but it was good in that I found something that I personally found more natural, that I didn't have all the horrendous side effects that the meds had given me. Um, and that was, you know, we depend on our medical people and I had the most amazing gastroenterologist everyone would call him Mr. 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 And I said to him one day, do you mind if I call you Jack? <laughs> and he said, of course not. He says, but can I ask why? And I said, well, any man who's going to put something up inside me, I said, I'm not calling him Mr. I'm calling him by his first name. So that's just a little bit of levity, but it was just a funny thing that it was my way of coping, if you like, with the embarrassment when you have to go and get all these tests that you have to get done on a regular basis. I've had some, um, I went into remission, but I've had some flares, some really embarrassing flares. Um, one was at the funeral of an aunt of mine way down the country. And I was staying at this most beautiful hotel a few miles out. And I didn't feel good at the, in the actual graveyard. And I said, okay, I'll drive back to the hotel. I didn't make it. And for me, I feel a trigger. And I think it may be for a lot of people is sunflower oil. So if you're eating things with sunflower oil, it can certainly have a really adverse effect on your stomach. Um, it certainly does for me, and I've heard some people say the same thing. So I think it's worth uh, looking into if you are having issues. But everybody would keep their own diary and know what affects them and what works for them. That's what's important, really. But um, I am now a few years on. I have the odd flare, but thankfully I'm doing a lot better. Uh, I think right now the neuropathy, stuff like that, that I got as a result of meds is what has affected me worse nearly. So um, I find the CBD oil only for that. I don't know what I would do, that's to be honest. So that's just a little bit about my story. I hope it helps somebody in some way. And I greatly appreciate you inviting me to the panel. This is Jackie handing back to you. Thank you, Jackie. 
Thank you, Jack, for being transparent. Now we do have one more speaker, but before we proceed with our last speaker, I would like to thank our sponsors. Ragne Sinika, she is the founder of World Women's Conference and Awards, Women Entrepreneurs TV, Changemakers Coach and Public Speaker. Michael D. Butler, CEO of Beyond Publishing, book publisher, global speaker, media coach. Danielle Gomez, keynote speaker, corporate trainer, executive coach, confidence architect and author. Melanie Ake, she is the founder of Everyday Leaders, professional coaching and consulting, a certified John Maxwell team leadership coach, speaker and trainer. And of course, me, Lakeisha James, your master's of ceremony, always supporting Regeline Gigi's to bite wherever she goes. And our last speaker is, she told me today her name. So let me look it up right quick. So I don't want to butcher her name. I Taisha, is that correct? That is correct. Oh, you did good. <laughs> oh my goodness. She is our last speaker. And hey, she's a Crohn's disease warrior and mompreneur. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our last speaker. Welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. Like this platform is amazing. Um, so yes, guys, my name is Itasha Horn. Um, this is actually my 14th year having Crohn's disease. I'm sorry. Yes, our 14th year being diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Um, my story actually happened around the time I was 16 years old. And I started having really bad abdominal pain, um, diarrhea, and a lot of vomiting. Um, it was really embarrassing, to say the least. Um, I think someone had mentioned earlier that it is the um, living in silence with this disease. And that's what I was doing. I was suffering silently. Um, and then at some point, I just decided I couldn't do it. You know, I, my mom started taking me to ER visits after ER after ER, and no one could figure out what was going on. Um, because I was graduating early from high school, they assumed that it could have been something, you know, as far as stress, maybe she's stressed, you know, the stress of graduating, going away to college. Um, and so I go away to college, you know, the pain is still there. Um, along the way, we decide to see an OBGYN because they saw that there was some fibroid tumors um, in my uterus and they thought, well, hey, maybe that's what's causing the pain. At the age of 21, I ended up getting a myomectomy. I was a junior in college. Um, and then I was told that I more than likely would not have kids. Well, that was not my fate. So a year and a half later, the pain comes back. Um, at this point, I had been diagnosed with thalassemia trait, which is a blood disorder. And the hematologist that I was seeing at the time um, I had told her that I had watched this show called Mystery Diagnosis. And in this show, this guy was experiencing the same thing I was experiencing from the bloody diarrhea to vomiting to, you know, um, having nausea, abdominal pain. And there was just really no rhyme or reason as to why this was happening. So I go to my next appointment with her and I'm like, hey, you know, Dr. Juarez, I watched this show. This guy has the same thing. I said, but they're calling it Crohn's disease. Who do I see to be able to diagnose me? And she looked and she says, well, you know, now that I think about it, you do have a lot of symptoms of Crohn's disease or at least possibly the sister disease, which is ulcerative colitis. She says, I have a best friend who is a gastroenterologist. And within the end of that day, um, I got a call from that doctor's um, office. I went in two days later 
Um, and about seven days later after that is when I had my very first colonoscopy. At the age of 22, um, the procedure was 30 minutes long. And the moment as I was in recovery, she comes in and tells me, my mom, you have Crohn's disease in the large intestine. And we're so happy that we were able to, to catch it. You know, these are the medications that we have that we feel would actually help. Prednisone being one of them. Yes, prednisone was the magic pill at that time. However, it was doing so much to my body detrimentally um, that we just did not know until years and years later. Um, about nine months after being diagnosed, um, I found out that I was pregnant with my first and only child, Carter. And um, this was about 12 and a half years ago. And um, I had been taking prednisone. I was also taking Acercol, um, as well as a, another medication um, to control the Crohn's disease. I remember going to the OB and they told me you would need to terminate your pregnancy because we do not feel that you are capable, capable enough of having a son or having a child right now because of the medication that you have been on and because of this disease that you have, we're going to have to take it a step further with specialists. I thought about it over and over for about a few days. I just said, you know what, I'm going to keep this child. You know, this is like a miracle baby. I was just told two years ago, I couldn't have kids. And um, they pretty much told me pregnancy is either going to make your Crohn's disease worse, or it could possibly help it based on the hormones. Unfortunately, um, it did make it worse. Um, it led into other issues, including um, I have four other um, autoimmune diseases, um, including inflammatory ocular disease, antiphospholipid syndrome, thalassemia trait, and most recently, um, as of a year and three days ago, I was diagnosed with adrenal insufficiency disease. Um, that was one of the things that, you know, doctors did not tell us at the time of being diagnosed, that there was a possibility of getting other autoimmune diseases. Um, and this is something that has just carried on. I've been so lucky and grateful for my parents. Um, they have had to stop their lives in order to make sure that mine keeps going, to make sure that my son doesn't miss a beat. Um, there have been multiple back and forth um, flares make me have to be hospitalized for two, three, six days at a time. Um, and of course, you know, the having an autoimmune disease, I like to tell people all the time that it truly is an invisible disease. It's something that you cannot see. It's something that you honestly can't prevent. One day I wake up, I seem extremely happy. I feel great. And by two o'clock, you know, I have abdominal pain. I have vomiting. And it was very, um, to say the least, embarrassing to say these things to my friends and have to explain, hey, I just don't feel well, you know? And it, they always thought it was something that was, I was faking. And it was like, well, what is the issue? And I was so embarrassed to just say, well, this is what's going on um, until years later. Um, around 2019, I was going into my almost 11th year of Crohn's disease. And I unfortunately um, came down with Bell's palsy. It turned my life completely upside down. Um, I went to, I went through depression very badly. Um, and it was at that time I decided to 
take control of my disease after having it for 11 years, 10 years at that point. And now I'm deciding to acknowledge, to accept, and to honor this disease because there's a reason why I have this. There's a reason why God has chosen me to be able to carry something so big to be able to help others. And my physician, Dr. Laura Pontes, I, I absolutely love UT Southwestern. It's here in Dallas, Texas. It's a very great teaching facility. I've been going there for 13 and a half years. And she decided to tell me, um, you know what? You know, Tay is my nickname. She was like, I really think you should get into the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. I need you to go in and start doing the walk. Let's try to get you out there. That very first year, guys, I did not believe I was going to be an ambassador of Crohn's. I have been an ambassador every year since 2019. Um, in that time of May of 2019, I decided to start a Crohn's blog as well as an Instagram, not knowing I was going to reach over 100 countries of people from Switzerland, from Ireland, to just being right here in my back door, you know, of Dallas, Texas, and being able to help other caregivers, letting them know it's not your fault. You know, there's no reason for you to have guilt. That's something that I feel like that my parents have experienced multiple times because having a sick child, you kind of wonder that I missed something, you know, why didn't I pick up on this? And that's a hard thing to kind of go through life with, especially when it's your child. And so um, having Crohn's and being able to use social media as a outlet for me not only helps my depression it didn't only help me re research more of my disease but it helped me give people that sign and that just a guarantee of hope because sometimes we're so stuck in the negative and just don't see that positive light and I'm so happy that I have been a very chosen way to be able to go ahead and help these people and so what I say to anyone who is out there that may be experiencing, you know, these type of symptoms or is a caregiver, please, please go to the doctor for any symptoms. I am so quick to run to the doctor for anything because like I said, coming back with four other autoimmune diseases, it's, it's a hard and tough pill to swallow. But what makes me do what I do and be able to, um, allow my stem cells to be researched, to allow them to take tissues from me to be researched for a cure. What makes me do that is for kids like Mason and for kids like my son, because it's hard to be a kid and to be able to try to understand this disease when you have it. And it's hard to be a kid to understand this disease when, when your parent has it. So um, with final words, I always tell people, I don't wear purple just for myself. I wear it for those who cannot fight. And I just want to say thank you, Gigi. Thank you, Lakeisha, for this time, this opportunity. I am so elated and just so grateful and thankful for you guys. And every and like every single one of the speakers here have been so amazing. Thank you, Mrs. Horn. You are welcome. I salute you, sister. You're amazing. <laughs> you are truly amazing. Thank you so much for being transparent. Thank you. Now, this comes to conclusion of our event. We have some final words from our host, Gigi Sabat, and then, of course, we'll close out in prayer. Yes, first and foremost, I want to say thank you all for the prayers for my mother, 
as you know, she is currently in the hospital and, and if she could have been here, she would have been here. And so I appreciate each and every one of you. I appreciate our speakers, our sponsors, and thank you all for attending today. If you're, if you're going through or experiencing Crohn's, I want you to remember that you are truly a warrior, just like each and every one of these speakers who spoke today. You are a warrior. Never give up and remember with God, all things are possible. I truly believe you can get through each and every single day with God, whomever you believe in, higher power, Buddha, Allah. You can get through each day. Hold on, hold on to faith. And so again, today you heard from each and every one of the speakers and now you are truly aware of what Crohn's disease is. And remember, you're not alone. Each and every one of us stand with you. We stand with you. Never give up. Thank you. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you so much for being that that woman today because I know you're worried about your mom. We definitely thank you for showing up as you always do. And of course, sharing, you know, gathering people, um, individuals that topics that people do not discuss. So we definitely salute you on that, sister. Thank you so much. Um, and now we're going to close out with prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you, Father, for this day that you've made a we're exceedingly rejoicing in the Father. We thank you for this platform we're full of amazing people. And Father, we know that the stories that they share is not for them, it's for other people. Father, we thank you right now for their transparency. We thank you for, for them right there for their strength, Father. We ask you right now to strengthen them, Father. Strengthen them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, right now, we're going to plead the the, the blood of Jesus from the crowns of their head to the soles of their feet because the blood still works. Oh God, the blood still works. We thank you right now before your word because your word is true. And Father, we thank you for being a healer by your stripes. We're already healed. No matter what it looks like, no matter what we feel like, Father, you are a healer. We just thank you right now for this platform. We want to send a special prayer out to Jerlene Sabat, Father. We thank you right now for being in the hospital room with her right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you right now for her healing right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we ask you right now to touch her right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask you to touch the doctors, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for your spirit that's inside the hospital, for all the ones that's inside the hospital, Father. We're praying and decree healing on today in the mighty name of Jesus, Father. We thank you for today. We thank you for the transparency. We thank you for the strength. And Father, we thank you for the know-how on today. We give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. God bless you and be safe.